I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Podcast. Hey, welcome to the second bonus podcast for the week of the Andy J Podcast. We had our typical Tuesday, that was Dominic Monaghan, then yesterday was a bonus with O.T. Fag Benley from the Black Widow movie, and today you have our second bonus podcast, and what a special show this one is. I am very, very, very pleased to welcome RJ Mitty to the show. Now, RJ Mitty is Walt Jr. in Breaking Bad. And I don't really need to say any more than that. Breaking Bad, wow, yes, one of the greatest television series ever made. I mean, what a show, what a show. And I say this to RJ, actually, you'll hear this in the conversation. His character, Walt Jr., by the end of it all, when all is said and done, when all those brilliant episodes are done and dusted, when we've finished every series, every season, and it's all finished, and you look back at the character arcs of all the different characters, I would vouchsafe that, do you know what, Walt Jr. is probably one of the few, if not the only, genuinely good guy characters that consistently keeps their head and their heart in the show. Everyone else seems to go on this crazy transition into... Yeah, well, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, my goodness, wow, you have an absolute treasure chest waiting for you. And if you have seen Breaking Bad, you have a treasure chest waiting for you right now because I get to speak to Walt Jr. himself. And I'll tell you what, RJ Mitty is terrific company. I really, it was such a pleasure, such a pleasure talking to him. I'm going to stop waffling and let you hear it. Here he is. The Andy J Podcast. I'm so pleased to welcome my next guest, a man who burst onto our screens here in the UK as Walt Jr. in Breaking Bad. And, well, he's been ever-present ever since. I love him. I can't wait to chat to him. It's RJ Mitty. How are you doing, RJ? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm so thrilled you're here. We're going to talk about this brilliant new movie, and I can't wait to hear all about it. But, of course, I also, there's so much I want to chat to you about, because I also want to say, us UK viewers, we know you from hanging out in Rio at the Paralympics as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was amazing. I was very lucky to be able to be part of the uh, the GB team in the Paralympics at the, in Rio, and it, it was a surreal experience. We were very lucky. I was very lucky to be a part of it. Do you know, it was so nice watching you on that, RJ, because, of course, we, we all knew you as an actor, and we knew you, and, and we were all so close to Breaking Bad. I know that you know it was a global phenomenon, but here in the, here in the UK, <laughs> my word, I mean, it was, it was huge, enormous. So to then see you out of character, just as you, it was, oh, it was wonderful. Did you enjoy being yourself? I, I did, you know, it was, it was amazing, but... Um... You know, I really enjoyed. It. I really enjoyed working for Channel Four um, and the and the Channel Four team, and 
you know, it was such a surreal experience being a part of this, this Rio Paralympics because you see it on TV, right? And you don't realize like the energy that's actually at the, the Olympics and the Paralympics because the TV disconnects you. Right. But man, feeling it and seeing, seeing the kids and seeing the young adults that want to be athletes, that want to like try to do this. It, it's just like everyone's got these stars in their eyes and they're all just so excited and the energy is just unbelievable. Well, I got to say, this sounds so cheesy now. Moving on like this, this sounds like a like a hospital radio link, and I and I apologize now. But obviously, you had all that time watching these incredible athletes at the Paralympics doing all this amazing feats of brilliance, and the movie we're about to talk about, Triumph, sees you as a young man who takes on a new sport, who who, who wants to be a wrestler. Did you sort of channel some of what you'd witnessed and learned during the the Rio Paralympics? I mean, yes and no. Um, I think I think what I learned a lot in the Rio Paralympics, what I brought to Triumph, definitely helped to see the importance of uh, it, the importance of sport yeah. in everyday life. You know, people don't realize how important sports are in our society for team building, for for leadership building, for exercise, for just who you are as an individual, and working with other humans uh, to accomplish a goal. You know, with Today, age, we're very isolated, right? We're very, we're very fragmented, and you know, sports really unite us, and that's something that's so important. That it doesn't matter, like what team you're on or who you are, you're all there and you're all cheering, and you may be on different sides, but you're in the game and you're focusing on that. And and to me, that's the joy of sports. That's that camaraderie that just it's so special. And and being a part of the Rio Paralympics of the Channel Four team really showed me how special sports are. Yeah, I love that. I think I think you're so spot on. RJ, are we uh, I'm going to ask some dumb questions because I'm I am dumb and I hope you, hope you're okay with that and and you can just educate with me. Because of course just fine. If we can if we can just talk through your your life, your journey and and how it affects everything you've done from baking bad to obviously triumph and uh, you know and and the oak room and everything. I mean there's so many different things you've done, but but we need to start if it's okay. Get it out the yeah. room. The elephant in the room is with is with your disability. Would you mind talking me through that? Yeah. So uh, I was diagnosed at three with cerebral palsy. Um, for people that don't know what cerebral palsy is, um, it, it affects fine gross motor skills. So hand-eye coordination, speech, dexterity. Uh, it, it's most commonly caused at childbirth. A lot of people think cerebral palsy can be genetic and stuff, but it, it really it, it isn't a genetic disorder. It's from trauma to the brain. Um, where at childbirth, when you were born, uh, oxygen is rushed to the body. The first time you like take that, that breath, oxygen goes to every cell, every crevice of the body, and, uh, and infuses to the brain. Well, during birth, lots of things can happen, and maybe you don't get all the oxygen your brain truly needs. So there are portions of the brain that just have never received oxygen. So they're just inactive. So the human body is a very amazing, um, amazing instrument when it comes to just all the inner workings. But one of those things is our neural network. Well, maybe that I have these dark spots, but your brain is so strong that it will create neural networks around those areas to still work, to still function. And, but that might make you 
have dexterity problems. That might make you have spasticity problems. There's many different things that can come with it. And if you, if I, my CP versus someone else's CP is very different. Right. Um, and usually comes with multiple disabilities, not just one. Um, but through exercise, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, you can learn to retrain your brain and master your body in a way that you can understand and move that, that is conducive to your everyday life. And so when I, I was diagnosed at age three, um, this happened, my the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and, um, and, and it all happened, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was three years old. Um, my grandmother took me in, um, would go to a Cadillac dealership every year and trade in her caddy for the next model. And one year I happened to be with her and this man happened to be a Shriner. And, uh, for people that don't know what the Shriners are, they're, they're part of the, um, the, the masonry. They're, they're part of that group and they focus, um, they focus on the well being of children. So the shrine was created in like 1922 to focus on polio. Um, polio was a really big issue back then. And it still is today, but but not so much. Um, and that's what they were combating is, is how can we give children better life in 1922 that are suffering from polio. And through that, um, it evolved to burns, cerebral palsy, um, amputees, everything really. Any, anything that, that's focusing on the well-being of children and giving them the opportunities in life. And this man was like, well, does your grandson have CP? And my grandmother and my family took me to doctors all over the country, right? And they kept saying, we know he has something, but we don't know what. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then we heard this over and over and over and over. Um, and this gentleman, though, he's like, I, I've seen this before. He looks like he has cerebral palsy. You should go get him checked out at this one place. And reluctantly, my grandmother agreed and told my mom. And they said, okay, let's go make an appointment. And uh, I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana at the time. And the nearest Shriners Hospital was in Shreveport, Louisiana, which was actually the very first Shriners Hospital ever to exist. And, um, and we went up there. And within, within the first hour, I, they, they diagnosed me and started my treatment. And, uh, and it was physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, as well as... Um, leg immobilizers and feet binding and uh, braces. And uh, I really did that, the, the feet binding and braces uh, until I was around 13 years old. Okay. Um, so from three to 13, uh, but, but just exercised every day, stretched every day, uh, just really focused on my disability. For me, it, it affects my, um, my left side. Uh, and partially my speech as well as my, my left arm and my leg, um, are more stiff and rigid. It, it, imagine my body being like a big Charlie horse. Okay. Like you ever had a Charlie horse? Um, like it's just a big knot, right? Yeah. It just, everything wants to pull back. And so it, it's a fight to, to master that and to control that and to, to maneuver my body in a way where it, it functions. And so, um, you know, I, I look at it though. A lot of people look at disability as a weakness. You know, you you hear these things. You hear physical therapy. You hear, you hear occupational therapy. You hear speech therapy, and they go, "Man, that's that's rough. That's hard." But really, everyone should be doing it. 
This isn't this isn't something this isn't something that like yes it is hard, but it's hard because you need to practice at it. You need to 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 work at it. When you when I find hard things in life, I realize that there's something that I need to master, something that I need to understand. And so the way I look at disability is something that as instead of as a as an illness or a disease or something that we have to cure or overcome, it's really something we need to learn from and grow with. And and it's true power because it's power over not just it's not power over people. It's power over yourself. Okay. And that's a tool to grow. I mean you talk about all this therapy that you did as a child and and, and all the training and conditioning. And like you say, you know, everyone should try it because ultimately mentally that the, the strength that you have now because you kept going back you kept going back and you got better and you saw the physical returns and you you experienced gains right yeah i mean not always though you don't always get gains and that, that's part that's part of the journey is is still going back to it still still persevering through the pain persevering through the nose and that you can't do this and it's like what who who are you to tell me I can't do something if I've never been able to try? Right. So like it's 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 that mentality that you have to just be able to persevere and and learn and, and yes you're going to see gains but sometimes you don't see them for years but that's part of the process is being able to to still persevere through it and then work with it in a way where you you don't always feel better but you know it's going to work. Right. Yes. I mean, I must say, you know, we can all speak our own truths, can't we? And certainly from my perspective, the disabled people that I've worked with and I know and I've met always have the same. There is the same thing, which is this great mental toughness, this ability to take on the world and go, do you know what? I, I will not be defined by this. And I feel that's very present in, in your career and your life as well. You know, I, I think that's something that you say it's, it's very common. And you kind of have to have that mental toughness. Um, in a world that doesn't always understand, you know, that doesn't, that looks at you and goes, Oh, you, this is the best you will ever be. Mm. And, and sadly, that's a lot of people in this world go, this is the best you'll get. And it's up to you to say, no, you, that's not my limitation. I'm so much more than that and persevere through that. And if you have a disability or any physicality or even mentally, um, emotionally, friends, family, things that kind of aren't always on your side um, when it comes to just life. <laughs> but uh, but if you can push through it, you kind of learn the, that mental ability of like, look, I know that you see me as a plateau, but I know I can be so much more. And if you don't think that, you, what happens? You plateau yeah. and you never grow past that point. I, I think you're flying the flag, RJ, and I think you know massive respect to you for doing so. Let's, you know, let's talk about these experiences in the film. Obviously, we've got to have a word to Breaking Bad shortly, but but I need to talk about Triumph because a lot of what you said is 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 echoed in in the film. You know, we and it's a real life story as well, which makes it even more yep. sort of empowering. I'm obviously not going to give away a huge amount of the plot. I watched it earlier today. It's wonderful. It's a joyful, joyful movie, and you're brilliant in it. And incidentally, just a quick Thank aside, you. You, uh, you're 28 years old. You're, a very, you're very fortunate. You get to play a student <laughs> excellently. There's not many 28-year-olds that would still be able to carry off the role of student. Oh, my God. So wild. So, so this film has had 
one journey and the name triumph of this film is, is definitely a uh, representation of how this film got made because it's been a long uh, we've been working on this film for over five years now Whoa. we shot we shot over five years ago we had pickups and commercials two years ago so there was like a big three-year gap where i aged <laughs> and, and i i can't stop that that's that's not up to me so i'm like the whole time filming this thing going man Am I gonna look like I'm thirty? I'm gonna go from one scene. One scene I look like I'm twenty, and the next scene I look like I'm thirty. I'm like, oh man, this could be bad. Um, hey, but yeah, luckily, it's, look, it's lucky you didn't get fat, RJ, because you you're getting some tight wrestling outfits, and that that would have looked a hey, little inconsistent. Yo, I was in so much more like shape in the beginning of the film when we first started than than some of those wrestling scenes. You have no idea. Like I, I put this, I put this, this, this leotard on, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I could say was just a big old, huh. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. Brilliant. Close up on the face. Close up on the face. Don't worry about the gut. Close, <laughs> close up. No. Yeah. Don't worry about the gut. Hey, can I get more light from behind me? <laughs> yeah. But just, I mean, just a very, very kind of brushstroke overview of, of the film. You know, yeah. it, is, it is about this this child, you know, we meet him very young. He wants to be a wrestler at school and, and has a horrible accident in it when he's, when he's a little lad. And then 10 years later, we meet you with one year left at school to try and achieve this dream, to become this wrestler. And, you know, to, to, to kind of win over the lady and make friendships and bonds, etc. along the way. But it's, again, I'm, I'm trying not to say too much because I think people need to come to this film. Yeah. And obviously there's a secret in the title. It's called Triumph. So you, you, you hope it's going to be a feel-good movie, right? But in this, we, we see it's a, it's a sort of, it's a subject we wouldn't have expected. You know, a character with cerebral palsy doing weights and, and wrestling able-bodied characters and so on. You'd sort of think to yourself, gosh, is that... Is that real? But it is real, and it's really happened, and you really did it in the film. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, and, you know, it's based on a real story. Michael Coffey, the, the creator of this film, you know, that this is why I love movies. This is why I, I love the entertainment industry, is it gives us the power to rewrite history. It gives us the power to immortalize uh, an individual and, and a dream of people to forever to exist longed after us and you know triumph um is doing that for this man michael coffee with a sense of like his world of what he grew up in in the 80s wasn't a real reflection of what we did in triumph but it was based on his experiences and his life and his circumstances but the difference is society didn't give him his his um his dream Right. Society, society. He he was not able to accomplish his goal, and through this film and through this vision, we were able to create this dream for him, and create this dream of of who he was and who he is today. And so, to me, that's so special when we can go into cinema and and create this reality, create this dream, and bring that to life. And you know, it is the story of this young man fighting his goals, trying to find who he is and, and really set the tone for who he wants to become when society says, you can't do this. You're never going to be better than this. You're, this is, this is what you are accepted. 
And it's, it's his journey of, I, I am who I am. This is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to accomplish. And to me, that's something that we need to see more of. Because a lot of times people do settle. People do um, reach a point in their life and they go, this is the best it's going to be. And I'm okay with it. Right. And we should always reach higher. We should always want to be better than we were yesterday. And, and hopefully triumph echoes that message. And, you know, it's not always about winning or losing, but it's about not giving up. And, and no matter how many times you lose, but to be able to, to keep playing the game with a smile, <laughs> like, you know, not being sour about it or, or, or blaming everyone and, and blaming yourself even about all the reasons why these are, these things are happening to you. And sometimes it's just best to accept them and to, and, and, from that acceptance, you can understand what you need to do to change your surroundings, change your environment, and make your future brighter. I think that's brilliant. And it, I mean, such important messages. And, and you sort of said there, you know, this was obviously based in the mid 80s, 85, I think it is. And you sort of said then yep. he wasn't able to achieve his dreams. He was held back. Would you suggest that nowadays modern society is, is better? Has, has things improved? Thousand percent thousand percent when it comes to i, I don't know about <laughs> it's complicated because i don't know about improved um but but definitely different when it comes to what people are willing to accept now okay um the voices the voices that we have we used to not have social media we used to not have these these types of outlets where the average individual can say no this is not right you're not treating me right and go publicly with it and people be aware and go, yes. And, and you then you have this army that says, yes, we agree with you that this is not right. We need to change this. And, and in society, the echo of the voice of the masses is the most strongest thing. If you, look, you go back in history, thousands of years, the masses always win. And so now we have this ability to harness the voice of the masses. And if you have... Um, anything that you're trying to accomplish, if you harness that voice, you can accomplish it, which in even the early 2000s, late 2000s, we didn't have this. Right. This didn't, it just didn't exist. So now we can actually utilize that and, and make a voice for the voiceless. And you are a big part of that, RJ. I mean, how, how does that feel to know that? Because, you know, there's a, there's a large community now that, that perhaps wouldn't be as progressed as it is if it wasn't for you and how visible you've been. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of many. Um, you know, this fight has been a fight that's been, been long before me, um, long before um, any of us really. Like this is, this is an age-old fight of, of just trying to get accessibility in general for our lives and for people that, that need it. And, you know, I'm, again, one of many and very lucky to be able to help. I think you're being very humble, mate. You're, uh, you, you know, you're a you're a real flag bearer, and uh, and more power to you. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, can I take you back just quickly? Because I'd be crazy if I did. Do it. Can I take you back? Do to, it. When are we looking at? About two thousand and six, and I believe the story is that thanks to a, a very young redheaded sister of yours, you're suddenly yes. on the radar, and and then fate took over. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, two thousand, two thousand five, two thousand six. I um, 
I went out to Los Angeles for my little sister. She got casted out of a water park uh, in Houston, Texas, uh, for a Lucille Ball campaign. And she, um, her name's Lacey, and she, uh, yeah, we, that's what brought us to L.A. You know, at the time, my mom was kind of sick, and Lacey was a newborn, and, um, and my grandparents were sick at the time as well. So we, we really didn't have um, an outlet to escape from our reality. And this woman came into our life and was like, hey, I'm casting a Lucille Ball campaign. Uh, I'm looking for a baby with red hair, and this is the one I want to cast. Would y'all be interested? And we're like, ah, we'll think about it. And initially, we 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 said yes, uh, and that's what brought us to LA for a couple of months. And you know, if you move to Los Angeles and you don't go to school, you don't join a gang, and you don't act, what you doing in LA? <laughs> like that's just the that's just the name of the game. <laughs> Uh, and so I started acting and that was 2006, uh, 2005, 2006 and, uh, was working as an extra, which I recommend to everyone that wants to be an actor, uh, try extra work. Like it's, it's one of those things that really lets you know if you want to do and work in this business because you have minimal responsibility other than listen to the AD. And uh, you don't got to worry about lines. They feed you. They pay you. <laughs> I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Uh, but it really puts you on professional sets. So when I started doing extra work, I was working on Hannah Montana, Everybody Hates Chris, Weed, Seventh Heaven, Drove It Taylor, um, a bunch of shows and movies. It actually became re- a regular student on Hannah Montana uh, as, a, as like a permanent background character there. And, um, it, it was an amazing experience to just, to just be a part of all of it. And then, uh, six, seven months later, I started auditioning for Breaking Bad. And that was really a life changing thing for me. Um, that really solidified my place in, in the industry. And, and cause without Breaking Bad, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this today. That's just, that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. I wouldn't have the reach. I wouldn't have the notoriety. Um, I just personally, I, I, I wouldn't have the drive for this industry. There's so much that goes into it that like, if, if, if you've been working at 10 years and you don't get a breakout role, it, it's kind of daunting. Okay. Um, but, um, but, uh, but I, I got this amazing show and it altered my life. It gave me a new perspective on, on who I am and what I want to do. And they give me a platform to talk about things that I feel passionate about. And I mean, none of these projects would happen without, without breaking bad. Right. So did you know, and I'm sorry if you're bored senseless of talking about breaking bad, but you know, this is no, the first time we've met and I'm a big breaking bad fan. So I feel like I have to ask. Uh, a couple thank of you. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Ask all, that's why I'm here. Ask all the breaking bad. Oh, bless you. I love you, man. That's brilliant. I mean, did you know when you went on the set for the first time and obviously you'd read Vince Gilligan's scripts and you're there and Brian Cranston's your dad. And he was this guy from this kind of crazy little mad TV show beforehand. He wasn't, Brian Cranston as we know him now, you know? Did you know this yeah. unbelievable script, but did you know then this is this is going to blow up? This is going to be massive. You know, we we knew we had something special. I mean, that 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 was a fact. 
everyone knew that this was a special script and, and I'm, I'm kind of one of those sticklers where I like action. I like drama. And, and so like, I was even interested in this script. I was like, man, this is, this is a great story. But when it came down to, did we know it would have, it would still be carrying on today. Did we know we would have better call Saul and El Camino and yeah. Brian Cranston, and Aaron Paul would be Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we didn't. That, that's, and then that's something that you just don't know. Every project you just don't, you do it and you put your heart into it and you hope that it's like well received, but, but that's all you can do. You just hope that people receive it well. And, you know, Breaking Bad had a hard start. Um, society was very different uh, when, when the show aired in 2007, 2008. Uh, just because of, of media and content-wise, people people didn't have, like, Breaking Bad and Ozarks. And, and like, the, the, the roughest thing... The roughest thing to Breaking Bad was like was the Godfather series or, or yeah. Sopranos yeah. or um, you know those were the roughest like mob cartel shows like right so so society didn't really have that yet so we were well we were well received critically but commercially we didn't always have the numbers you know it was a fight to stay on the air every season Gosh. and and luckily. Uh, the writers and the producers and the network AMC uh, really believed in it and really was like, no, we're going to keep making this show. And, uh, and now the fruits of labor paid off. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And of course your character, Walt Jr. Or Flynn, uh, you were one of the very few characters that consistently it was okay for the audience to like. You know, you were kind of the, one of the only actual good guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone yeah. else was kind of uh, yeah. nasty. <laughs> you know, I, man, I did try to buy beer that one time, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was, you know, you no. must have been aware of that as well. You know, the, it's difficult to feel great sympathy for pretty much anyone else on the show, but you were consistently the good guy. You were great. You had a heart of gold and you were real and you weren't doing horrible things to everyone. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I I tried that on TV and in real life. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know, it, it was special to be. You know, I always wanted more action, but it was probably best that my character didn't get more action because he probably wouldn't have lived through it. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know, it, it's it's crazy to see this world. And you know, I think Breaking Bad was more real than and more and is more real to um to people than people admit maybe not so much for the methamphetamine part or maybe so depends <laughs> on who you are uh but but for the family dynamic on on what brian's having to do to, to pay for his life and, yeah. and to fight for his fight for his life and you know that was something that i think is so special that breaking bad had and, and that's why i try to carry to all my projects really is that realness that 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 ability to to put people in that character and go, what would you do? And really the best part about breaking bad is you would probably make the same decision. Yeah. Like there was never, there was never a decision in there that you're like, why did they do that? Like it, it maybe Jesse a couple of times, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah. <laughs> but, but when it came to like Brian or, or many of the other characters, 
you understood why he did what he did. You understood why these characters were there doing the things that they were doing, not just because you're you're you have this overview of it, but because it made sense. And it made sense why these characters were pushing. And, and to me, that's something that's so unique because there's a lot of shows that just don't make sense. And and it's like, man, I don't get it, but okay, we'll keep watching it. But with Breaking Bad, you got it. Yeah. You watched it and you're like, man, you felt it. Yeah, you're so right. The motivation for everything was absolutely crystal clear. Even if you wouldn't do it yourself, you got why they were doing it. Yeah, very, very clever. Um, RJ, what what an absolute joy. Tell me what's next for you, because, of course, you know, Triumph's going to come out over here. It's available on the 28th of June, which is brilliant, and I hope it gets yep. the, the biggest audience possible. You know, we've also got The Oak Rumors just dropped here as well, which is, is doing yes. brilliantly over here in the UK, and it's, it's frightening stuff, man. <laughs> you know, it's frightening stuff. But what's next for I you? love it. Uh, you know, just keep pushing the Oak Room, keep pushing Triumph. I'm actually leaving um, in a few days to go finish up a movie called Isaac. Nice. Uh, I, I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, just just working. I'm I'm working um, in a town called Brownsville, Texas, at the moment. Um, so I've been doing doing work here with uh, my family foundation. So that's kind of been a big a big um, life changer for me for the last couple of years. Um, just really been doing um, a lot of community outreach and development projects, and then I uh, just look for that next movie. You know, the the Olympics, the Olympics are coming up, so I'm just yeah. I'm waiting for my Channel Four call. I'm waiting for them to say, "Hey, you know RJ, what's up?" You know they will. Oh, they, 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 you know, I'm so I was so lucky to be a part of that, and you know, the, the United Kingdom and 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 London and and everywhere in the UK really. Um, you know, it it really became a second home in that in that period of time to me, and I have some amazing friends there, and I, I miss it. So I'm looking for an excuse to come back. So brilliant. Well, if you do, you've got to hang out with me, man, because I'd love to meet you properly in real life. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll go. We'll go to uh, to the Essex and all that, and cause some trouble. <laughs> I'm in. That sounds fantastic. RJ, what a joy. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so humbled to have chatted to you today. It's a real pleasure. Pleasure's mine, man. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Take it easy. All the very best. The Andy J Podcast. I think you can see now why I liked him, right? What a lovely guy. I really enjoyed his company. And I hope we do get to hang out. I genuinely, you know, there's plenty of times where you feel you've had a connection with a guest. And and sometimes that connection is quite deep. And sometimes that connection is, that was a laugh. They'd be great fun. I've got to have a pint with them someday, even though I'm teetotal these days. I've got to go and have a pint of lemonade with them. And RJ, who was, I just want to hang out with him. He's just a really nice guy. He's a really cool guy. I liked him. I liked him so much. Anyway, I like you even more for taking the time to listen to this show. And those of you that even listen to this last little bit, well, you're my favourite of all. Thank you so much. Go well. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back with more brilliant conversations. Well, I hope they're brilliant conversations. I do my level best for you. We do have some brilliant guests. I will say that much. We'll be back with more brilliant guests on the Andy J podcast in the next few days. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.